Welcome to The Window, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Robert Moss, the author of Barbecue, the History of American Institution. And I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at The Post and Courier. Today is the spring break edition of The Window because um, it's springtime here in Charleston, but though it actually sort of eases a little more towards summer uh, degrees outside. But we thought we'd talk about uh, some, you know, some spring topics, uh, traveling and you know, what you might do over spring break, and also talk about uh, Hominy Grill, uh, which is we'll, – we'll, we have a bit of a spring break topic topic there as well, since uh, actually, Hannah, I think you probably broke this news. I got a I actual like alert on my phone, looked at it, and it's like, what? Hominy Grill is closing its doors here in Charleston. Um, so Robert Stellings, uh, the chef, chef owner there, says he's ready for a spring break of his own, though this one's not just a week. This is a little more permanent, at least for Hominy, maybe not for, for, for Robert, but um, I think we've both interviewed him now and uh, – doing pieces on it. And he says uh, he's closing up. He doesn't have a new project in mind yet. He's going to just take some time and sort of decompress and sort of figure out, you know, what to do after a very long 23-year year run. Right. This was, as you say, huge news for Charleston, of course, the southern food world generally. But as you said, we had a push alert here. This is such a big <laughs> this is such big news for Hominy Grill itself that Hominy Grill, for those who um, have been there or if you haven't, what you may know about it, it's a pretty casual place. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, a neighborhood restaurant, definitely a neighborhood restaurant. And so in keeping with that, Hominy, as long as I've known them in a professional capacity, has not had a PR team or a publicist or anything like that. So it was notable that it was a New York City publicist who emailed me on Saturday to say, would you be interested in sharing some news? Uh, which, of course, I was. Yes. But this, so this was handled like a military maneuver. Like right. it's, this, it's not typical, typical that Hominy would, would have a, a big city press agent. Um, but this is indeed huge news that, that requires that sort of handling. Robert opened Hominy Grill in 1996. Right. And um, you know, I was just chatting with him not, not too, too long ago. And so we're talking about just how things have changed in Charleston uh, since then. And really at that point, um, Charleston's dining scene was basically a two or three block strip of East Bay Street. Um, I thought is, you were going to say at that intersection. Yeah, because, it's really yeah. almost <laughs> an intersection. Yeah. Slightly right. north of Brub, Magnolia's, yeah. uh, you know, McCready's wasn't even there yet, or that the, the new version of, of McCready's wasn't there. Um, you had, I mean, you had the Pugin's Porch, and you had a few that were still around. Peninsula Grill had just opened up sort of around the corner up by the, the market, sort of stretching it a little bit. But that was about it for really – that was the restaurant scene in right. Charleston was down that, that little stretch of, of East Bay. Right, and I remember talking to John Ando who had Lana, 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 Lana. Anyways, uh, just uh, Kitty Core from How Many Girls. So he came in a little bit later. I think yep. it was 10 years when it clo- when it – Closed, which was what maybe two years ago now. So So we'll put it right around the turn of the century, (laughs) I think. Uh, It it was probably 2005 or so. Was it a little bit later? later, Yeah, yeah. a little bit later. But the the reason I brought this up is uh, Ando talked about when he first moved in, it was like no man's land in terms of dining. So that was years later. And even then, um, it was, I mean, this is not a place where tourists. Uh, would go. Was no, not fact, on the and, and that was it. Wasn't Stelling's original idea? No, it was. I'm just trying to set the yeah. scene because now, I mean, you can't even see the corner for all the bachelorettes. So <laughs> things have changed tremendously. Indeed. At the time, yeah. it, you know, MUSC, the Medical University mm-hmm. of South Carolina, a big hospital complex, is two blocks, maybe, right. maybe even you know, one block from where Hominy is. But it's just a, it's a neighborhood with a hospital anchoring it. And his idea was, if I could sell a hundred lunches a day to you know, staff members from the hospital, then I can keep my uh, and keep my business going. And we were talking a little bit about also, he uh, he found the property 
closed on it a month later and was open in two months, which does not happen in Charleston today. Very rarely. At all. Was um, it already a restaurant? No, it was not oh, a restaurant. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something Actually, I take it back. It was a restaurant. Okay. It, it, it was somebody else had a restaurant there that didn't make a go of it. So Got it. So he probably didn't have to do everything, but right. you know, still today, you can't get anything done. Right. You know, from that's very unusual. Um, but you, you raise the critical point, which is that he owns that building, that's right. right? So that's really the important thing. And so I've been asked repeatedly, like, why didn't he sell the business? Why doesn't he like go on tour without, I was like, he owns the building. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. So that's, that's quite valuable. Yeah. The, just the real estate alone, right. it is definitely, a, you know, he, he's expanded a good bit. I can't remember his, oh. 10 years? No, I know that long ago. He, he built out a whole addition to it, nice courtyard and all that. And uh, so it's a turnkey restaurant yeah. ready to go or, or, you know, so you could lease it right away. So who knows? That's a you nice. You could do anything with yeah. it. That is certainly a, a valuable corner of Charleston right now. And I feel like he sporadically was upgrading the place. Like he would close it once in a while. So I think it's, you know, not, not that we're selling this property for him. Oh, no. I, mean, I, would, I would feel no. like I'm a realtor here, but. But there's more important things that happen yes. there than just uh, <laughs> fixing the ductwork. Um, it was amazing to me and really gratifying, you know, to me and certainly much more so to, to Robert and his wife, Nunnally, Um, The outpouring of support yeah. for this restaurant has just been phenomenal. I mean, people are feel so connected to this place. Well, it really has been an anchor of the Charleston dining scene since the Charleston dining scene sort of made its second big burst uh, in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, mm-hmm. you know, at two, uh, 2006, 2007 was when Charleston was really gaining steam. And of course, by that point, Hominy was a well-established restaurant, but it was one of those restaurants that helped really helped put Charleston on the map. Mm-hmm. And so I think for that reason, that people have a lot of affection for it. I know there's a, you know, a lot of people probably haven't been <laughs> to it a whole lot because there are lines, lines out the door, particularly yep. if you try to go on the on the weekend. It's it's you know nobody goes there because it's too crowded. Right. Um, but I, I do think that it's it's that kind of thing that oh it's closing. It's it, it was always there, you know, and, and now it, it you know it, it's, it's not always going to be there. So I think that has helped drive a lot of people to say I gotta go get shrimp and grits or country captain, you know, one more time. Right, and I feel like, and I may have said this when when Garden and Gun had interviewed me about it. It was very funny the day after because I was calling people to interview them, and the people <laughs> were, were calling to interview me. So it was like one call after another. I would say if you can find somebody you can interview while they interview exactly. you, exactly. Yes, it, that's exactly how efficient. the day went. But so you know, I feel like so many restaurants which have opened in Charleston since it's become, you know, hailed as this dining hub are very much of the time of now of yes. Charleston. And it, and Omni Grill felt really timeless because it did embrace the whole history. So the whole sweep of Southern cuisine in a way that a lot of these new places don't. And because it felt timeless, I, I imagine that's why people didn't think it was going to close. It seemed like it would be yeah, there well, forever. It's always been there, at least in our exactly. collective memory. It, it and just, it, it, why would it ever go anywhere? Right. Because it really felt more like, and the word is overused institution, but I think in many ways it did feel more like a, a community center or a you know a place of faith. Like um, it, it didn't, it, it felt it had a feeling of permanence that these new places yeah. probably don't. And it's hard to remember what the restaurant world and the Charleston restaurant world and Southern food world was like when Hominy really opened its doors. It was one of the first restaurants anywhere to ser- uh, to, to get a reputation, like a, a fine dining reputation, to serve breakfast. It was. You know, such an odd thing at the time. Now everybody does, does brunches these days. Right. But breakfast was a, you know, was sort of how 
uh, how many grill made its footprint on the, on the market. Right. And I think, too, we've forgotten a lot about just how everything was in restaurants, not just, yeah. you know, whether or not you stayed open for breakfast. Is when I spoke to John T. this week, he had said, you know, kind of the American cuisine caught up with Robert in so many ways that things that now we take for granted were new when he tried them out. I mean, the yeah. idea that you would be you know, a respected um, James Beard-worthy restaurant that didn't put tablecloths on your tables. Like that, We now again, we just assume that. But Robert did that first. Well, what's funny about it, I was, ta- I was trying to talk, I was talking to him a little bit when I was interviewing about the, the sequence of how things sort of unfolded. So, um, you know, he opened in, in 96, got a lot of acclaim. He said one of the reasons he, he got... He got a lot of acclaim as all the travel writers were coming to Charleston when Charleston was getting a lot of attention in the late 90s mm-hmm. as a travel destination. And they're writing about Charleston, but they have to do the sidebar about where to eat and be, you know, where to stay, where to eat. And because they serve breakfast, he said, we got in all those magazines oh, because we had breakfast. Yep. I don't think he planned it that way, but yep. it worked out great. That's so he really sort of got, got mentioned. Yep. But it just sort of built and sort of grew. And then he was doing originally breakfast, lunch, and dinner, mm-hmm. um, which he said was became the dinner became more and more of a pain. And mm-hmm. actually, the year before he got his James Beard award, nomination mm-hmm. he stopped doing dinner service oh he did yeah which i thought was curious but then he brought it back it brought it back brought later it back. yep um so he actually paused it just because it was, it was you know it was, it was, just, it was a pain it's yeah. a, you know you have to switch over totally they would close down in the middle of the afternoon at that time they had to switch over and they had to put the tablecloths and the oh, candles on the table because got it before 2007 you could not do dinner right with the way they do now which is just a bare table with a brown piece of Paper, yeah, <laughs> right, know, right, right. Put on top of yep. it. So they had to switch it out, put all the linens out, put out the candles, and, yep. and do all that. So was, he finally just got rid of that. And yep. then lo and behold, that's when all the James Beard uh, critics sort of were visiting Charleston and eating there. And the next year, he got the, the best chef southeast without doing right. white, white tablecloths on, on his tables. Yeah. I mean, I think it is interesting. It, it, it does, although in some ways um, other restaurants have inherited what, what Robert invented and we find these things ever. In some ways, Hominy did fill a very specific niche. And I'm very curious on the local level who's going to fill it. You know, I mean, it was certainly the very best place to take families mm-hmm. or some of children. You know, any you, I would often hear from people who are like, I really love food. I really want to experience Charleston. But I'm coming with my family. And, and that always sent them to Hominy. I took my own nephew to Hominy. Like that's, it was great for that. And, and that's actually, um, I think where one of the reasons it, it fits so well is because it was a place if you came and visited, you could go there and get Southern food, comfort food, but you felt like you were in a Charleston restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't a place you want right. to go to, you know, Nashville or definitely not New York or anywhere else. You know, this is the kind of place that only in, only in Charleston and it had the Charleston dishes, the shrimp and grits, the red rice, the right. country captain, all these things that are, are Charleston, but with its own little spin on it. So it, 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 it felt a, it did a big need. It, it, yeah. And so that niche, I mean, obviously you can get shrimp and grits everywhere. And that's, it's actually pathetic how many places <laughs> you can get it. But they, how many continue to serve dishes that weren't available anywhere else, right? As you say, the country captain, the pine bark stew, the shad row when it was in season, you know. I think he still has shrimp bog in the menu, that's which right. is yep. his take on chicken bog, yep. which is like a rice dish, sort of a 
pee off kind of. Right, right, right. And I think he does it as the catfish creole as well, which is a Charleston dish, um, despite the creole name. Uh, And so it was what I was saying to someone else is like, I could be really lazy when people moved here from elsewhere and they were curious about a dish. I could just send them the hominy and I didn't have to explain (laughs) it to them. But now I'm going to have to like send out recipes and pictures and it's going to be much, much, much more difficult for me. My favorite part of hominy was always the – or is still, because mm-hmm. as we're speaking, there's still, uh, the Hummy's closing on, on April 28th. Right. So as you're hearing this, you should still have a few days left. Yep. Uh, Prepare to stand in line. <laughs> if, if you have some time, yeah, to wait, yep. but get the either the Charleston Nasty bis- Biscuit, mm-hmm. originally named the Big Nasty, and changed to the Charleston Nasty after yep. a little run-in, I think with McAllister's, the, I think it was the McAllister's yeah, that's Deli right. that's right. chain had, yep. had the trademark. My, one of my favorite features of it is still, for the next few days, a, a, the big chalkboard with all the vegetables, right. the sides on it, which is in a lot of ways, and he was putting chalkboards in the wall before everybody was putting right. chalkboards. So it's just sort of like a throwback to the beaten three mm-hmm. kind of place where, and they, they, you know, some were always the same, some would change. Only a few had meat in them. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, some, some of them were just pure vegetables, but cooked very well with all good seasoning and, and flavoring and all that kind of stuff. And it was always just a little smorgasbord. You could go in and Right. Mix and match the vegetables. Often had tomato pudding, which uh, made the lead of my story. Because initially I mentioned Country Captain, because that's one of the first things I think about. But I got a note back from the desk saying, nobody here knows what Country Captain is. And so that's not going to work in the first sentence of your story. (laughs) But they know what tomato pudding is? Well, I think you can put it together. I mean, if you know. That seemed to me like those in this category. I mean, you know what a tomato is and you know what pudding is. But if you know what the country is and you know who a captain is, you have no idea what's in that dish. Those two things don't become anything edible. Talked about the history of country captain before. I don't know if we have. I, I, I wrote a long, extensive piece I on it. I was going to say, I've consulted point. it many times. As <laughs> even a, a crazier story than I expected going right. into it. But I think it does represent what it's interesting. Hominy's food, from a historical perspective, to me, because it's not really trying to recreate the 19th century. No. You know, no, the, the it's not like. Plantation, antebellum, you know, hocus pocus mythology. It's very much rooted in the 1950s in a lot of ways. And the, well, the 1950s 30s. and the 1970s, yeah. you kind of have that feeling that, you know, it's that that homegrown bohemian vegetable sort of mm-hmm. thing going on. Um, did Robert talk at all about his brother closing his restaurant? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't realize. I know his brother uh, has or had, I guess, two restaurants. It, Is he closing them or it, has closed them? He'd clo- and so I, I did not realize this until after I broke the news about how many closings. So I did not have a chance to ask Robert, but someone in Asheville alerted me to this. So I... I came up with the other Stelling because I lived yeah. in Asheville from 2000 to 2009. So John, John, John and Julie. Um, and they had Early Girl Eatery, which um, was also, I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful place that um, – and I am – We'll have to check. I actually can't remember if they closed it or sold it last year, but they got out of the early okay. girl business. Okay. So I was – I'm sure they must have talked. I, I'm just – it's interesting that – It's why I did say somewhere this – not where I was talking to Robert this last time, but something, something I was reading one point where like he said that – he and his brother are both, both chefs. They thought about going in you know, business as partners, but they both wanted to cook. So there would be nobody for the front of the house. <laughs> right, right, So right, they had right. to open separate restaurants, which yeah. I, I thought was funny. Right. So as you think of the lineage of Southern chefs and restaurants, I mean, certainly so that you have the the blood relatives, right, mm-hmm. early girl and hominy. But I also think about um, Bill Smith retiring last year from Crooks because, of course, Robert came through the yeah, kitchen Yeah, that's a connection. It all goes yeah. back to Bill Neal to at Bill Crooks Neal. Corner. Mm-hmm. Robert 
was there for about six years, I think. He started as a dishwasher, worked up to, I think, running overseeing the whole kitchen. That's right. And long yeah. enough to come up with the idea for Hominy. Apparently, yeah. he walked away from there with, <laughs> with an idea of what he wanted his restaurant Yeah, he said to be. that he, he already had an idea in mind. Yeah. Because after that, he went to New York for like 10 years. Exactly. Before coming to Charleston. Yeah, and then uh, Bill Smith took over from, from Bill, Bill Neal. That's right. After Bill Neal's death and has been keeping – Crook's Corner tradition going forever. And was it last year that he? Yeah, so he retired last Retired, fall, announced a successor. Yep. And yep, yep. Yeah, so Crook's is now in the hands of Justin Burdett, and Bill Smith has has moved on um, because it, um, Bill and Robert both, again, have had these long, exhausting careers. Yeah. I mean, these are both guys who are chefs of the old style. I mean, they were in the kitchen. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I would watch, you know, Robert. I lived in that neighborhood, just, you know, going back and forth from the restaurant to the kitchen. Um, they had a kitchen at the restaurant, but there was also an offsite um You know, what do you call that area? They're like, like the prep kitchen. Yeah, yeah, they have like an extra kitchen. And he was... I mean, these are two guys who both just work, just heads down working. Very is, yeah, different. Neither of them today. were, yeah, they they weren't the. I mean, they would come out. They were the face of the restaurants. But, oh yeah, but they were they weren't just out front. You know, or or coming in working at recipes and then disappearing. And no, the, 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 the chef. they were back. They there were not working right. the event circuit. Yep. They were working in the kitchen. Um, and you know, had close relationships with their employees. I feel like they really. Um, Hominy was not one that couldn't keep employees. I mean, I'm sure they ran into the same troubles that everybody does, but they he had a pretty, you know, long time staff, um, which which speaks to the restaurant yeah. for sure. Yeah, and the, and the restaurant owner exactly. You know, looking to not just to take care of your staff and groom them and mm-hmm. and, and move on. I know Robert opened briefly. Chick's Fry House, which didn't last. Did y'all talk about that? We, we did not. I I I I, 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 I didn't about bring it, it up. <laughs> yeah, well, I talked to him about it. You know, it was in the past. Yeah, and, yeah. I just think it's it's hard to open a second restaurant. Really hard, and uh, especially in the Charleston market. But one of the reasons he did it was like a lot of other. Like I was t- talking to Aaron Siegel at Home Team Barbecue, who's opened opening his fifth restaurant now. Mm-hmm. I think. But part of the reason they want to open additional restaurants is to give their staff something to grow into. To right, give a, that's exactly right. Because otherwise you could never – if you just have that one spot, you can never grow into it. Yep. Um, so I think that was that's just part of that DNA of somebody who well, creates a restaurant that lasts 23 years. And, right, And right. doesn't close because no one goes there but closes because it's it's time. Yeah. So um, Hominy Grill's last service is going to be on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, closing on a big big brunch day. That's uh, April 28th. So if you're listening to this and – Right after the podcast drops, you have a couple days. I think if you get in line now, you might be able to get, <laughs> get in, in to get a table Sunday. For, for Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, if, if you can't get in the Hominy Grill on Sunday, there is something else you can or do. Even you can. Or, or even, even if you can't. Even if you can't. There's no you reason can why both. you can't do both. No reason you can't do both. Uh, although you might miss our VIP kickoff party for the Spirited Brunch if you're at Hominy uh, Hominy Grill that morning. So the Spirited Brunch we've talked about on the show before. I just wanted to remind folks that it is this is Sunday. Third year. Third, year. third year. Yeah, third year. Um, so it's from 1230 to 330 in downtown Charleston. It is free. No registration required. Just as a reminder, the way it works, we have about 20 um, downtown congregations just throw open their doors and they all are asked to serve some kind of food that's representative either of their faith tradition or their local community. So, so I think we had in last year previewing, you talked about past ones. What do you remember from last year's? What were some of the dishes that maybe surprised you or you thought were particularly interesting? Um, I'm trying to remember what was served last year because obviously two years of 20 congregations, it all sort of runs together. I remember uh, somebody served water. The Baha'i the, Temple the serves Baha'i waters, yeah. yeah, so as to avoid any cultural overtones yeah. of any kind. I believe this year they're serving fresh fruit, actually, okay. because um, – 
the founder of their faith um, had uh, a motto about how it, something about the way we grow together. It's, it's one of these kind of unity things that it was related to a fruit tree. So you can go to the Bai Tai Temple and learn that entire, um, excuse me, in this case, it's not a temple. It's actually a museum. Um, it's really worth checking out if you haven't been there. You know, it's uh, Charleston is actually important um, to the Baha'i movement. So um, so they will have fruit. You can find out why. Um, many of the congregations uh, serve something that's culturally significant. I believe it was last year one of the – the Catholic Church down on Broad made an um, – so they made a soda bread because their founder was Irish. So, And the soda bread is accompanied by okra soup that used to be a fixture of their fundraisers. They used to sell this okra soup. And they hadn't made it in years and years and years and years. Oh, that's and, great. They brought it back out. And they brought it back for the Spirited Brunch. And the reception was so enthusiastic that now they're fundraising with it again. And they're using it oh, for their great. capital campaign, which I thought was really great. Oh. But on Spirited Brunch Sunday, it's free. And it is delicious. So, yep. So that's great. Um, last year, we had the Huguenot Church. So we had Huguenot Tort. Um, we have we have an, at least two, I believe, um, traditionally German congregations along the route. So there's always German apple cake um lots of pastries lots of sweets um it's what we're doing this year though for the first time and this is super exciting is because it's a walking tour we've always had to limit it to those places to which you can walk um which is frustrating because that doesn't fully represent the diversity of, of faiths or, or their culinary traditions in the Charleston area. It just reflects the diversity of those who can afford a downtown meeting space. So it's a little limited to those who got here two or 300 years yeah. ago. Which yeah, is, it helps to have gotten here yeah, early. Yeah, 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 exactly. A lot of space got taken. Um, so this year... It's not a perfect solution, so I always sort of cringe a little bit when I say it, but it's better than nothing, uh, is we're setting up essentially like an exhibit hall and have invited um, congregations to either side of the rivers to come. And That's a pretty good solution. It's I a think. pretty good yeah. solution. It's and better than trying to put everyone on a bus and truck them all exactly, around town, which just seems exactly. logistic and difficult. it's going to be such a lineup in there. And I feel like if even if it's not the perfect solution to the spirited brunch, we may like have world peace because... <laughs> we're setting up it's really going to be great so we've got the mormons next to the hindu temple uh it's it's we this is the first time we'll have a spanish-speaking congregation represented um to remember who else is in there it, it's it's well, going to be a, a great way and what great. better way i mean food just gives you a great way to start a conversation to get easy way you don't have to like if you were just going to walk up and have a dialogue with somebody that might be a little more awkward than to walk up and Get something to eat, ask questions about it, and then that right. can just go where it goes. And so to be clear, I mean, many of these places, they do have either their, you know, their lay or, or clergy leaders, um, clerical leaders there on site. Um, but you can do this whole tour and not get into any theological right, not, discussion it, yeah, if you don't want. That's they're, why I, they're not going to try to convert you, They're right? not going to try and convert. Now, <laughs> the Mormons are serving little chocolate. <laughs> The Salt Lake City Temple. <laughs> Do with it what you want. But I'm excited for it. So no, there's no there's no conversion. Um, you know, we give these places a lot of freedom. Uh, they to, to you know, but we have not heard back from any of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who participate in this. They've ever felt uncomfortable or proselytized. It's really just open and welcoming event. You can go to the Buddhist temple and drink chai. You can go to the mosque, and they always serve. I think traditionally they use this opportunity to explain Ramadan because um, mm -hmm. it's not too far off from this time. And so they usually serve what they 
would use to break the fast uh, at Ramadan. They have to have a fast-breaking meal, just a demonstration. Uh, yeah, so 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 you, I promise you will not come out any more religious than you were when you went in. If you don't choose to, um, you will come out very full. It's 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 a lot of food. It's a lot of food. But if you want more, as I said this year for the first time, the Post and Courier is hosting a small reception beforehand, um, which should be fun. That one is not free, um, but you can check it out on the Post and Courier site. I believe it's fifteen dollars. Um, we're serving mimosas. Well, as uh, as food events in Charleston go, that's that's. Uh, Yeah, no, I think it's very expensive. So what has been missing, I felt, from the Spirited Brunch uh, was music, although Mm -hmm. some of the churches do bring in their organists for the day. In fact, one of the churches, and I'm failing to remember which one, is bringing in their organist emeritus, who has not been back for some time. (laughs) Um, Senior organist. (laughs) Yeah, so the senior, most senior organist. So there is some music along the way, but not as much as I might like. So we are going to have a, it'll be like a gospel choir at this event. Um, And like I said, mimosas. I know three hours is a long time to go as a sober stretch in Charleston, so folks can fuel up at this party. So I'm super excited. I really hope people join us. So that's, again, 1030 – Nope. Sorry, 1230 to – 1230 to 330. Um, I believe that VIP session starts around 11, 1130, but all the details are at postandcourier.com. Again, 1230 to 330 for the main event. You can go to one place. You can go to 20. You can do what you want. There's no set way to follow this tour. Um, the headquarters is here at Alumni Hall. You don't have to visit if you don't want to, but if you do want to pick up a map, pick up water, that's sort of the center of it all. Okay. So then let's say – uh, Sunday, uh, August, uh, Sunday, S- April, Sunday, oh, wait, April 28th. April 28th. 12.30. 12, 30, 12, 30, 12, 30. I was going to say, go on this Sunday to the yep. 28th. Yep. Go line up early at Hominy Grill. Get you a Charleston Nasty Biscuit. Exactly. Well, I, you'd be really full. I, that <laughs> I would not over. do. I wouldn't if, do that. Yeah, you know, if you can, you know, if you can do a, a soft shell crab crawl. Yeah, you know, right, you, you, right, you right, right. Yeah, maybe. And, and maybe stick with the shrimp and grits. But okay. <laughs> yep. All right, and uh, speaking of. Well, you speaking of breaking fast, speaking of spring, and it is well, we just got past spring break here in in Charleston for all the, the Charleston County schools, and so I uh, didn't do a, a huge big trip, but we did hop in the car and head up towards Charlotte uh, to go to Carowinds, the big amusement park awesome. up there. Which my thirteen year old son is a roller coaster nut, and he he rode well every roller coaster in the park. Though they'd only been open, they'd opened the previous weekend and then were closed, and then it opened back up Friday. So I think it was like the third day of operation. Wow! Uh, for for the park, so they had a, a few hitches here and there. Where the roller coasters kept having to be closed down for maintenance and things like that. But all uh, you know, n- nothing unsafe. It was just we we spent a lot of time running from one point to the park to the other. Yep. But that had a good time. Um, but we're not here to talk about the, the roller coaster so much as, as the food because I, I realized I, um, I hadn't actually been to an amusement park in many years, uh, a roller coaster park, at least five, probably ten. I love it's amusement parks. I, 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 I do too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I used to, like my, like my kids do now, just I would go all day and ride roller coasters left and right and you know, get off and run around and get off and run around. Um, have you been to the one in Denver that's essentially downtown? It is fantastic. So I was uh, out at a wedding in Denver last summer. I don't know Denver very well, but um, the wedding was in one place and where I stayed was very far away because I couldn't <laughs> afford to stay in downtown Denver, which meant um, being on the highway quite a bit and seeing this like amusement park they have, like in the city. Um, nobody at the wedding, none of these Denverites had ever been, but I, I went. It's it's one of these things where it's the, because of the zoning, I guess, the city doesn't like have any oversight. It's like its own land upon <laughs> itself. It's been there for like a hundred years. It's like no seatbelts on the rides. It costs like $2 to get in. 
terrified, and it is the most fun I've ever had at a amusement park. <laughs> I, was so, ter- I was fearing for my life the entire time, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was great. And it is so old school. I mean, it, so I, I had such a good time. I was like, well, I'd love to buy a T-shirt, which is not a very hard thing to do at most amusement parks. They'd be happy to sell you a souvenir. At this place, you have to go all the way to the job office oh, where you please. apply for You can either apply for a job or buy See, a T-shirt. Carowinds is like, not old school. No. There are okay, hair rides sorry, now. The, the newer ones, you exit through the gift shop, so you can get exactly. that T-shirt right on the way out. That's right. You know, yep, yep. As you get off the, the roller coaster. All right. Well, tell me about the food. Um, yeah, because the food is one that, you know, I don't have a lot of memories of the food at, at amusement parks as I was running from one roller coaster to the next. I remember it being basically like fair food, you know, hot dogs and not very good hot dogs. And I feel like I was too excited to eat. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I don't, you don't really want to gorge yourself on pizza and hot dogs. Exactly. Get on a yeah, you're going to be sick. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to, you definitely want to take it easy. Um, definitely there's more brands now, like with everything. Makes sense. There's, there's a Chick-fil-A and Carowinds now, but it's a ginormous Chick-fil-A with like the same kind of rails that you go through to yeah. get up to the, to the roller coasters. Um, well, interesting, there is a, a Chickie and Pete's at um, Carowinds, which okay. is a Baltimore area chain, which I, I know. only know from they have it in Baltimore and the Baltimore airport eating there. Um, they have a thing they call crab fries, okay. which is their specialty, which you would think would be uh, fries with crab on them, but it's not. It's just fries with uh, the crab boil. Spice mm-hmm. that, that oh, they right. poured on them. Sure, um, but that's a that's a interesting weird thing to have dropped into Carowinds uh, here in the, in the Carolinas. But what, what I thought was interesting there because I'm always you know we've talked in the past about the iPad menus and and all this. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicken pizza is one. I think there'll be some other restaurants that they ha- they have these the super high tech system now where you walk in and you order at a kiosk mm-hmm. and it's just a touch screen. It's not even like an iPad. It's it's a full on kiosk. And you you pay there and all that kind of stuff, uh, but the weird thing is then you go to this like little register to like pick up your cups for your drinks. I guess so they ration out the drinks, mm-hmm. and a few hitches with uh, with this line. Like I, we, you got we got into a loop somehow trying to order the uh, uh, just try to get a bottle of water, mm-hmm. and every time I pressed it, it kept taking you to the screen that tries to sell you the. Uh, the ginormous souvenir cup right. that is free refills for the entire season for only just aye, some, aye, some aye. amount of money. And so that's a couple of things that are, that are different. One is these the giant souvenir cups that you can get refills on all day long. It's just, I think, a sign of the times of the continual drinking of massive amounts of soda from the time you sprint into the park. To, <laughs> I guess it's good for your caffeinated kids to, wow. to keep sucking. But also makes me think about, I still haven't found any automated solution it replaces ordering from a person right. in an effective way. It's, it's no, the iPads are terrible. I hate those menus. But this one, you get stuck at a certain point. And there's no one to help you. I mean, I guess I could call a programmer and have them come debug right, the thing. Right, right. But you're in the loop. And then you had like these six kiosks where everybody's ordering. And then it just leads to a ginormous <laughs> line waiting right. to get to the register where you get your cup, cup, right, right, cups. Right. Because you still aren't dispensing the cups on the machine. So I think the, the automat. Yeah, it was right. It's a thing not a ways to go. Yeah. You know which amusement park has the best food? Oh, uh, hmm. I haven't been to the mall, but okay. Well, I, I can't think of one because I don't really think of one that has great food. Which one? Dollywood. Dollywood. The food at Dollywood is terrific, and I I always enjoyed it as a patron. And I think uh, Kim Severson wrote a piece about. It, I want to say like five or six years ago. Um, they really put a lot of work into their food, and of the places to eat in the Pigeon Forge oh. Gatlinburg area, uh, Dollywood's not bad. What kind of food do you, do you remember? Any 
it's southern. I like southern, southern style. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing. That I think while, the, like the chicken and Pete's being at the Carowinds in Charlotte. Of course, it's Charlotte, so mm-hmm. it's sort of a mix of, of all over. I think they really miss an opportunity if they're they're you know to really feature Carolina style food. I mean, there's all kinds of things you I could see you doing sure. at an at an amusement park. I don't know. You got to have your hot dogs and your hamburgers and your chicken fingers because you have you know a bunch of kids just <laughs> running through, uh, you know, juiced up on caffeine and those endless amounts of sugar. Yeah. But for the dads who are there, it would be nice to be able to, you know, sit down in an air conditioned place and actually have a something other than a giant pretzel or a, or a corn dog for a change. But yeah. If you're out there, super, I'm sure the amusement park people will say, we tried that and no one bought it. But, right. You know, right. You, you, you could advertise to me. I'd, I'd, I'd show up for that. What are, what are prices like today? I haven't, I haven't been to Carowinds in, um, in years. Mortgage your house. Yeah. And like what, what's the soda cost? Well, that's the thing. Like eight bucks. Well, like, it depends. If you want the regular soda, it's yeah. like four dollars and fifty cents okay. or something like that. You know, just for the small cup. Yeah. Or you could get this ginormous plastic souvenir thing for like thirteen fifty. All right. Yeah. And refill it all, all day. Yeah. Um, a captive audience. Yeah, captive. I think a family of four. Our lunch was topped a hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And we just had. Yeah, the, we were talking about before the airports aren't as expensive as they used to be. Right, we were talking about the, the, the um, uh, amusement parks haven't, haven't right. caught up on that front. Right, right, right. But you know what, automation. I was it, it's been sitting. I was like, what is was automated that I really enjoyed? Um, at your seat ordering this year at the Volvo Cup. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. here in Charleston, we just had the big tennis tournament. Just had a big tennis tournament. So apparently they're saying in the sports arena uh, trade, uh, this could be the year. This could be really be the breakthrough year for at-sea ordering, which has been available for about a decade. But I have never personally experienced it before. What, do you just do it with a mobile app? You do it with an app. So one See, of the – now that's – you're starting to get smarter, I think, with the mobile app. Right. So here's, here's where they went to, which is maybe where the iPads didn't get to. So one, people have become more accustomed to ordering food through their yeah. phones. Like Uber Eats has gotten everybody used to it. You know, so it's, it's like how people order McDonald's now. So that helps. It also helps that they stopped trying to create dedicated apps, and they worked it into the app of the sporting event you're at. You already had to have that app to have your ticket. Oh, that's right. Because right. you got your ticket. You've you had got your ticket. You already now, have now it. Thinking. And now you're thinking. And there's no upcharge for it. It's better for them. They say they sell more alcohol that way. They're selling more everything well, that it way because people works. don't want to get out and of And that's seats. why the other ones don't work mm-hmm. so much is because you get up and you go and you get in line and you go to a restaurant to order. Right. And then there's the, the, the automated kiosk thing. Mm-hmm. But – if I just sit in my seat, I don't have to go anywhere, pull my phone out and order. Right, right. So it, it, it actually creates a benefit for the customer, which is, yeah. you say, the iPad doesn't. You're still standing there. Oh, yeah. That's one of the worst parts about sporting events is having to go get in line for a beer. You don't get in line. And, and that's a surprise. Nobody wants to mix, miss the big play. Yeah. You never know when to leave. And you don't want to wait in the line <laughs> at halftime or whatever, you know, whatever sport you're yeah. watching. Um, it, it was really great. So, I mean, within minutes. So I just wanted to test it out. Within minutes. There, um, as we said, the, the prices were not crazy. I think I paid, oh, I want to say $2 for a bag of M&Ms. Seemed fine. I mean, and brought to my seat. I mean, within <laughs> minutes, there's this guy standing next to me smiling, and here's your that, M&Ms. Yeah, of course, this is a, just a, an, an updated version of the old peanut vendor who would you know, throw the, the peanuts at Absolutely. you. Absolutely. But, but it, it builds in all of the choice that these arenas have built into their food programs. So, and there isn't any screaming or throwing or the passing the beer. Right, all and you'll have to wait line. until, hey, if you see that 
uh, whatever guy come that's around. That's right. You that's know? right. So now you just you enter in your seat number, and he comes right to you. It's okay. it's, it's really I'm sold. awesome. It, I'm sold. Yeah. So I don't think we. I don't. So far as I know, we don't have it here at our minor league uh, stadium yet. But I, I think it's going to be I, everywhere. I, knowing the Charleston River Dogs, who are yeah. very innovative on the food front, yep. probably the best minor yeah. league ballpark food I've ever yep. had, certainly. Uh, I bet they'll have that soon. Oh, that, I'm that sounds sure. like a slam dunk. They're yeah. going to sell more. The fans are going to love it. Yeah. Yeah, God, I would go. I would use the hell out of that. Right, yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I was like, where has this been all my life? And I thought of you, Robert, because I thought how we talked about like automation's yeah. no good. And I was like, this is brilliant. <laughs> it was like I was so happy. Yes, maybe, that. maybe, yeah, you just have to find the right app. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so this ends on a happy note. And that is all for this edition of The Winnow. We recorded today's episode in the Springtime Podcasting Studios at the Post and Courier Building in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. If you enjoy listening to The Winnow, help other listeners find us too. Just go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you access your podcasts and like us or leave a rating. The Winnow is a production of the Post and Courier and Palmetto New Media. Our producer today was the fully automated J.M. Ray Parker. Our theme music is by the Bluestone Ramblers. Until next time, I'm Robert Moss. And I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat.